This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is Thursday, November 11th, 2021, just about, I don't know, two weeks until vacation. Two weeks from now, I will be asleep on Maui, and everything will be right in the world. Unlike today, right, Jake? That's right. Unlike today. Um, We get to talk about the petty, ridiculous arguments over... Recruiting in the state of Utah today, uh, a major name tied to the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, it's it's coming up on silly season in the NBA. And with several big names available, I think you're going to hear a lot of rumors. So my guess is we'll play a lot of, you know, what's real and what's fake uh, on this show. Okay, apparently the music's going to end. Okay. Um, why? Hey, that's all. That's a you thing. Yeah, I don't know. The computer's tripping. I I don't control that. Um, it's my bad. Yeah, Jake's an idiot. Um. Anyway, the point is, so we'll play some <laughs> silly season coming up, um, and then of course we get to talk about Dan Orlovsky and how he avoids infidelity. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't understand this whole premise of, oh man, there's so much temptation, and we're oh man as men. We could cheat every day if we wanted to. Really? Is it really that difficult not to cheat on your wife as a guy? Apparently. I I just don't see it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it depends on who you are as a dude. I think it's a, it's a, you know, just like it is for women as men, you know, we all have choices we make, you know, and I think that Dan, that's why Dan's taking a lot of heat for, for what he said. You yeah. Know? yeah, we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. But I want to start with... Uh, some, you know, teenagers causing great strife and consternation here in the state of Utah because this Colin Chandler situation, um, you know, and before we talk about that particular kid specifically, I detest recruiting. I hate the star rating system and his parents and my dad and he knows this guy and There's no better system for it. There isn't. There's no way to fix the stupidity, the pettiness, the the mongering, the anger, the vitriol over teenagers making decisions on where they're going to go to college. There's no way to fix it. And if there was ever an example, it is Colin Chandler choosing BYU over Utah. And the idea of course, is from Ute fans that somehow somebody delivered a bag of money to Colin Chandler. That's the only reason he would flip. A big. Well, never mind that Colin Chandler announced right afterward that he was going to serve a church mission. He's not going to play at BYU until 2024. And the reason that he says that he went to BYU was because momentum in the basketball program and he wants to play against Big 12 competition. Hmm. which seems perfectly reasonable. And if we're really truth-telling here, the reason he went to BYU very well could be the Big 12, very well could be that he is obviously LDS, 
and he's going to serve a mission. And most kids that come back off of missions are far more comfortable at BYU. And, oh, by the way, BYU's, you know, name, image, likeness stuff, his ability to make money off the court is exponentially higher at BYU than it is at Utah. So I actually don't think anything nefarious happened here, Jake. I think the kid made a business decision. Yeah, and I think Utah fans are upset that BYU has all this momentum. I mean, that that's that's what this is, and that's what recruiting comes down to pretty consistently. You know, when, when you lose the recruiting battle, you know, let's flip-flop it. Let's wind the clocks back five years. Hey, Utah was winning all these big recruits, right? And what was the logic then? Well, Utah is just a better program. You have more opportunity to go to the NFL. BYU doesn't put guys in the league or, or you know, in the NFL or the NBA, whatever, you know, which, however you want to look at it. You know, basically Utah is just a better overall opportunity. And now that whole narrative has flipped because of, you know, like Colin said, the momentum in the basketball program, the NIL situation. Like, you have all these things that are, you know, pushing BYU forward, you know, like he said, the opportunity to play Big 12 talent. So to me, I just, I think the the whole idea of Utah fans being like, well, uh, he was given a bag of money and that's why he chose BYU is petty. I mean, that's classic Utah fan logic, in my opinion, you know? And I think that at the end of the day, in, in, in the state of Utah, BYU has done a phenomenal job of, of closing the gap between the two programs and really, at this point, in my opinion, is a step ahead of Utah because of everything that's going on. So, no, I don't think it's uh, like I don't think that he was given a bag of money to go to BYU. I think that BYU has some pretty intriguing options right now. And BYU, according to everything that's been written about the situation and how it all went down after his visits and everything like that, BYU does a hell of a job recruiting and painting the picture of what your life will be like if you go to BYU. And I think ultimately, if we really look at it, that's what kids care about. Hey, you know, I wanted to serve a mission. All right, great. Obviously, that's going to swing towards BYU. But then what is campus life like? What is the facility like? Like if you go on Google and you just search, you know, for this kid's name and put BYU behind it, you're going to see all these pictures that he went ahead and took while he was at BYU after he committed and everything. In the basketball arena, he's having fun with it. And and that's what I think people don't realize. It's not just a straight-up business decision. These kids care about after, you know, hey, what is my life like after BYU? What is, you know, am I going to have a good time? Like, all these things come into play. It's not just, man, am I going to get 25 minutes a night playing at BYU? That's not, that's not the only factor. And that's why I say when Utah fan is like, oh, well, he just got a bag of money to go and play at BYU – that's just so obviously not the case based on everything the kid has said. So that's I just think that that's always going to be what the losing end, whether we're talking Utah BYU or any other program, that's always going to be what the losing side says. Oh, well, there's no way that they could have chose that program over ours. It is what it is, man. That's that's what you're going to deal with in recruiting. But I just think you have to give BYU a lot of credit for getting into the Big 12, for all the scheduling they do. All of these things, they put kids in a position to win. And that's really what I think separates them. Yeah, and the frustrating thing is that it couldn't be possible that right now I think BYU has a far more aggressive uniform, you know, combination. And kids really like uniforms. And kids like having their pictures taken in football uniforms. And BYU blows them up and puts it on social media and gives the kids the pictures and the kids put it on social media 
and it's fun. It's fun. And BYU's winning big football games, and BYU has a tremendous basketball infrastructure right now, and BYU's a really attractive place to go play basketball and football. Does that mean that Utah is not? No, it certainly does not. And that's the thing that I think has always been the issue on both sides of the line. Whether you wear red or you wear blue, you always feel inferior just because a teenager made a decision that you didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. And I've never understood that. If you are if you are Colin Chandler or any other kid in his position, why would you choose Utah over BYU? Especially if you were going to serve a mission. Okay, that's an obvious one. But look at the 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 money that kids are making at BYU right now. Look at all the built bar stuff. Look at all of the Ryan Smith stuff. Look at all of the opportunity that you have that does not exist right now at Utah. And Utah's going to get name image likeness figured out. They will. But right now, they don't have it figured out, frankly. And what's happening at, at, at BYU is you have kids that are making money. And you have football teams and basketball teams that are going into the Big 12 that are going to play in huge games. The Big 12 right now, I don't even know how many people realize that the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country. Yeah, I do feel like that flies under right? the radar. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. there's – I don't know how many people actually realize that, that the Big 12 is a strong, strong conference right now. And everybody keeps saying, well, you know, Texas is going to leave and that conference is going to fold. They're not folding. I got news for you. The Big 12 is much more than, you know, Texas and Oklahoma in football. And obviously those are two huge brands. But when you look at, at the total package, I'm telling you that the Big 12 is healthy. The Big 12 is strong, and they're going to continue to expand. That's going to happen. It's a good place to be. And the, the issue is that I think on both sides of this rivalry, you're not just going to tip your cap to Colin um, and say, hey, solid choice, my man. Congratulations. You're going to a fantastic educational institution. You are going to serve a church mission. You are going to play fantastic college basketball. You're probably going to wind up in the NBA. I mean, if if you are if you are Colin Chandler, you're going to go on serve a mission. You're going to come back. Do you think you're going to play four years at BYU? You're not. You're going to play a maximum of two. Mm-hmm. Like so, the window is small. The kid's got to make all the money he can make. He's got to get the best education he can get all at the same time trying to figure out if he's an NBA talent or not. Why would he not go to BYU? Yeah. It, it So, anyway. The Ryan Smith thing, by the way, I think we also need to talk about that. Because why is it a crime that your boosters influence recruits? Do you understand that that happens all the time? Does that mean that, oh, you had a bag man. Hey, um, you know, Ryan Smith, uh, he uh, he took a bag of cash. And... You really think Ryan Smith rolled up to the 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 Chandler's house like, hey, by the way, you see this metal suitcase? It's full of uh, swag. And you open it up and what is it? Thousand dollar bills? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's got a BYU hat are, sitting inside. <laughs> like, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. they, they don't. I, why can't it just be that this kid chose BYU over Utah? Why do we have to drag Ryan Smith because a teenager made a decision you don't agree with? Because it, because Utah fans feel inferior. Utah fans have pride. Utah, Utah fans don't 
ever want to be second to BYU. And, and I think that, that Utah fans, yeah, I mean, I, I think the pride factor is real for Ute fans. Like, I, I don't mean yeah. any disrespect by it, but I, I legitimately think that that's what it is. There is no possible way that a, a kid of this caliber, you know, talent-wise, would choose BYU over Utah. And I got news for you. The case, the, the conversation, yes, is much closer in football. In basketball, I probably would go to BYU myself. Like, it, it is a better setup. It is a more direct route I would to agree. the league. I mean, I just that's just where it's been lately. So, I mean, when's the last time, what, Kyle Kuzma was the last huge recruit to come out of Utah? Is that is that what we're saying? Like, no, I, 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 I mean, think, listen, I think that that's the game I don't want to play. I hate this thing where we have to be like, well, let's go back in history. I'm not doing that. Utah is down in, in basketball right now. It has been it has been an extended period of not doing what everybody thought you would be doing under Coach K. You know, you listen, you went and hired a fantastic coach. You are clearly going in the right direction. And I just don't understand. Like, you have parents of kids on the Utah basketball team t- tweeting slander at other kids because they chose not to go to Utah. Like, this is ridiculous. They're teenagers making decisions. And I, if you're trying to figure out what what went into a teenager making a decision, I mean, it's insanity. You're never going to be able to figure it out, truly. You, you take the kid at his word until you have a reason not to. And there is no reason not to. In this particular case, no reason at all. And I, 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 this is why I hate recruiting. Mm-hmm. I hate it in every sport. I can't stand it. Obviously we don't talk about baseball recruits or soccer recruits, but in basketball and football, Oh, he didn't choose my school. Well, he got a bag then. Yeah. He got a bag. Somebody, Oh, I mean, <laughs> no, he didn't. He just didn't choose your school. He chose what was best for him. A teenager, which is why we now have a transfer portal because you know, quarterbacks, transfer from one school to another and then become quitters so they can transfer to another school. Right? I mean, it it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's let's get some comments. Cody Strickland says, good morning, boys. Early? No. Right on time. Uh, Snuka says, hello. Hey, Snuka. Good to see you. Greg Hawkins says, good morning, fellas. Go Utes. Drew Hemsley says, good day, brethren. May the sports gods guide the path now and always. I, absolutely. <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> Giggity says, good morning, men. What's up? Greg Hawkins says, BYU has done a good job closing the gap, but I disagree with you, Jake. There will always be disadvantages um, to recruiting at BYU and the advantages they enjoy, like NIL deals, will increase with Utah. I think the honor code, I think, you know, being a, a church-based institution is always going to simply right out of the gate eliminate a good portion of kids you'd like to come play for you. That's just the reality of it. Now, in the state of Utah, which is, to me, is huge. You have to win Utah to win the recruiting wars here. Um, I think NIL makes a huge difference. I think the brand, I think Kalani, I think Coach Pope, I think winning, going to tournaments, going to bowl games, having access, all that stuff matters. BYU clearly has a momentum right now. It's not even arguable that right now, BYU has the momentum in this state. But if you think that Utah is going to be down for long, you're wrong. I mean, Utah is going to figure out the NIL stuff. They are. 
They're not very good at it right now, frankly. Mm-hmm. But they're going to figure that out. They will. And I think once that happens, once you start just feeling good about your basketball program, there's no better story in the country than Utah football right now. I mean, they just – what they've been through, what they're doing, incredible. Utah basketball has not been good. It's not been good. And once that – you know, once – you know, Craig gets that program on the right track. I think they're going to be fine because he's a great coach. I, I, I think, you know, I'm not going to say it was a coup, but hiring that guy when you hired him is exactly the right move you needed. Be, you know, BYU basketball is solid. Utah basketball is coming. So I, I think we'll get even. Roy Wall says, imagine the endorsement money uh, from <coughs> Barnes Bullets and Body Armor that will be available for the from the Utes. Yeah, we get it. Daryl says kids want to play for Pope. They do. They do. He is a really good coach. You know the thing that BYU does that I think Utah has to get better at? BYU paints the picture of life. Yes. They give you an opportunity, and they, they almost force you to visualize prosperity at BYU. Like, they do a great job. Their visits, their experiences um, – I mean, they do a really good job of showing you how good your life will be in Provo. They do a really good job of, hey, we're going to the Big 12. If you don't think these guys are recruiting their asses off based on going to the Big 12, especially for the basketball program, come on. Yeah. Like, that's a huge, huge recruiting tool um, that I think is is paying dividends immediately, right? And 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 then you're you're giving them – like their swag at BYU, their uniform stuff is, is amazing. Elite. It's yeah, elite at it's BYU. Amazing. The combinations, the colors, the, you know, they're, they're, and I've, I've said this for, I think two years on this show, their multimedia stuff, their video, excuse me, their videos, their photos, their, their social BYU runs circles around every other school in this state, including Utah in social media, content creation, video, visuals, like you name it, anything marketing-wise, BYU is dominant. Well, and if you think about the whole point of the kids coming to a, a college program, you know, it's it's to get to the next level. I mean, that is, whether you are capable of that or not, that's the whole point of playing college athletics. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, it, it is just the, the, and especially for a kid like this. I mean, you're talking about a kid who comes out of American Fork, you know, play playing at a extremely high level. You can clearly see how his game would translate to the league already, and he just needs development. And I think that is the that's the beauty of the situation at BYU for him. I mean, it, we can sit here and compare Utah and BYU all day. At the end of the day, when I think about, hey, I'm trying to get to the NBA. What school do I want to go to? I'm not going to Utah to try to get to the NBA. And that, and I'm not trying to hate on Utah, but that's just that's just where it's at, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, but again, I think Craig Smith can change that for he Utah. Can. I yeah. mean, I, I, I think, and this is why you know both Pope at BYU, Smith in at, at Utah, these are two guys that can recruit and can build men. Like they're these are the right guys. It feels right. I just think it takes time, but right now. There's no reason to drag Colin Chandler because you believe that Ryan Smith showed up at his house with a bag. Like mm-hmm. that's just stupid. You're 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 just you're being foolish. I mean, you're going after and this is again, not to be redundant, this is why I hate recruiting. We're we're attacking teenagers 
because we don't like the decisions they made. And by the way, he had a ton of options in the Pac-12. Let's not like it wasn't just Utah. He could have like, gone anywhere. Like he he could have gone really anywhere. But yeah. Ute fans are upset because he espoused as a, you know, as a Utah fan for life, mm-hmm. and he winds up at BYU. But how many times have we seen this? I mean, where does Zach Wilson play football? Mm-hmm. I mean, who, like this is not the first time, you know. So I just think that BYU and Utah will always be passionate rivals. But I just hate that we have to attack people for it. He's the 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 I mean, if you believe in star ratings and whatnot, he's the highest recruit that BYU has ever gotten in basketball. Like, I mean, I, I he's a good he's a very good player. Let the kid have his moment without dragging him. That that's all I'm saying. Um Daryl says kids want to play for Pope. I agree. After his mission, he will play a minimum of two years, likely two years. Just because he's going to have to rebuild his body, rebuild his game, because he's going to take two years and not play much basketball, you know. So it's very difficult for for missionaries to stay in shape. Um, you know, we see it in football all the time. I mean, basketball is a little less because it's a lot less physically demanding, um, and you can usually, you know, basketball is like riding a bike. You can usually get right back to it. So we'll see how it goes for him. You know, like I, I, I would agree it's two years. Um, yeah. I, and now, of course, there's I, I shouldn't even read it. I shouldn't even read it. Utah fans aren't being treated as the little brother. Aren't used to be treated as the little brother. Chris Beery says, yeah, I would agree with that. What do you guys think about the Utah fans saying it was unfair for Ryan Smith not supporting all the universities in the state because he owns the jazz? Do you guys think that is as nuts as I do? Yeah, I think it's dumb. Ryan Smith is a BYU guy. Why does why he, he's a, a a gazillionaire? You can't tell him how to spend his money. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, I the whole Ryan Smith thing. I mean, immediately that when when the guy bought the Jazz, all he's done is give back to the community, and all he's done is gotten dragged for it. Like the the scholarship program is a perfect example. He's giving money to underprivileged kids who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to go to college. And he's doing it to the tune of 50 scholarships a year. And you're dragging him for it. And I don't understand that. The guy does more for our community than, you know, perhaps any other owner in, in his community or as much as any other owner. Like Ryan Smith is a, him and his family, Ryan Smith and his family, they're just good people. Like, and you just don't like that he's a BYU guy. That's why you're dragging him. And I just, anyway. Yeah, that's how it works. Roy Wall says, I don't follow pro sports, so I am unaware of the controversy around the Jazz ownership. It, it, it That's essentially it. Is that Ryan Smith's a BYU guy. And he is, I mean, at the very least, he is a booster at BYU. But he's a guy that is a billionaire. And he's a guy that has tons of connections. It's why Dwayne Wade's a, a minority owner in the, the Utah Jazz. Because he's interested in tech and Silicon Valley. And Ryan Smith has all kinds of connections there. And it's why he's able to give scholarships. It's why he's able to, you know, be part of the, the recruiting process if he is at BYU. And frankly, if you're a booster of a university and you're not part of the recruiting process, why? If, if you're... If you're giving your money to that university, 
I would think that you would do everything you could do to make sure that the best and the brightest wind up at that school within the framework of, of the rules. Absolutely. So I don't know why this is even controversial. Why? I mean, I, it, because I, again, I think it's just, I think people are, ups, are just upset that like you were just saying, Hey, the kid was a Utah fan and he winds up at BYU. And then we like to go down the rabbit hole of like, what could have happened and no way he could have just chose but, BYU over Utah. But how many Huntsman's and Eccles do we buildings and people and mm -hmm. family and friends? Do you really think that this is exclusive to BYU? Do you think this sort of booster, you know, influence doesn't happen at, at Utah? Absolutely it does. Yeah. Absolutely it does. How do you feel if you're Utah State in this conversation? You you don't even have a dog in the fight. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Like, it, it, it's all fair and love and war, man. It, it 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 is what it is. It's not a problem. Honest to God. It is not a problem. And I, and I, I just don't – I just don't understand why you want a single entity to support everybody. But yet when we look at things like gun laws and tax, tax code and, oh, well, we can't tax the rich more, right? Like, but all of a sudden we want to tell them that they have to support every school or no school. Are you serious, man? Like – Sounds like we're on theme for this week. We need to be nice. Yeah, like where – it's America, dude. Don't tell me how to live my life, right? I, like what are you talking about? Um, you know, uh, James Knight says, give me a Mo Bamba. He, he wants <laughs> People his, are about this Mo he Bamba. He wants a Mo Bamba. Shout the Mo Bamba. Ah, I got rid of Twitter a few years ago, Roy Wall says. Good for you. Greg Hawkins says, uh, I really see no problem with Ryan Smith here. Support BYU doesn't mean he's trying to hurt Utah or Utah State. He's not. He's really not. And then how come I don't see the name Eccles on buildings and Huntsman on buildings at, at BYU and Utah State and UVU and Weber and every donor now has to support – like, nah, get out of here with no. that. Um, Snuka says, blue Powerade for everyone this morning. <laughs> exactly right. Thanks. Facts. Spencer Evans says, I think it's absurd for people to be upset. Uh, he supports his alma mater. It's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. It really is dumb. Uh, Dop Hop says in due time with Utah basketball, it's not a matter of if with Craig Smith there in, in the infrastructure and it's when you the running Utes will be back. Trust me. And BYU fan, it's probably sooner than you would like, because I think they have a chance to, you know, in the next two years, they have a chance to win some some games that they have no business winning. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, Giggity says maybe Joseph Smith showed up at the kid's house. Yeah. I mean, you know, God bless. Yeah. You know, Greg Hawkins says Utah basketball is rebuilding. We don't have a great program yet. BYU has a better basketball program ever since I was a student in 2011. I don't really blame recruits for choosing the why right now. That's the thing. Like, yeah. see, but Greg, you're trying to be like rational and you're smart and, you know, you're a free thinker. What are you doing here? Like, go, and as you can see, I'm yeah. going through some shit right yeah, now. Can you leave? Cause that's not <laughs> right. Like I, the rational thought is not welcome when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. That's or, how it goes. Or the conversation about BYU and Utah. I like, also think, listen, not welcome. I also think the Ryan Smith thing, I think a lot of people are like, well, he's the owner of the jazz. And so he wants to control the narrative in the state so he can get these players to come to the jazz. I've also seen that around and that obviously doesn't make sense. But I just think it goes to show you, like, the 
just the level of down the rabbit hole people are willing to go to push a narrative. And and I just think it is what it is. I wish do I wish that, you know, there was a better system for recruiting? Yeah, I do. Do I wish there was a better system for the college football playoff? Yeah, I do. But there's not. And this is what we have to deal with. So, you know, it, it just it just is what it is. But I think at yeah. the end of the day, you know, I, I think there's there would I would love nothing more than both of these programs to be really good and to square off against each other. That's what I would love to see. And hopefully Utah does that inside of two years. Hopefully. But we'll hopefully. See. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay, so now it's time. Eric C. has arrived. Oh, boy. And he would like to know how much our San Diego State winning by tomorrow. I thought they – doesn't San Diego – see, Eric, you've wrecked my life. I want you to know this, and I'm very disappointed in you. By the way, do you have Twitter? Um, I don't know if Eric C. has Twitter. But, Eric, I want you to know you've wrecked my life because I know that I believe San Diego State plays Nevada on Saturday. Right? Do they not? Like, you've made me start paying attention to San Diego State, and I hate you for it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but congratulations on having the best punter literally in the history of college football. Yeah. All right. Now go be irrelevant again. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kidding. You know, uh, you know, I, the thing that's really interesting to me is that I, I that's what I love about doing this show. Like the mm -hmm. Eric C's of the world make this show like the Greg, grow Cox, the grow Cox, the Greg Hawkins in the Philippines. Like I was, I was DMing with the guy, by the way, can we stop with vanishing mode? Stop with vanishing mode. <laughs> Like, I hate it so much. I really don't care if you think it's us. Man, I was talking to a guy uh, in Belgium yesterday. And he's asking me about winning the Xbox. And he's asking me, um, he, he, he saw in my Twitter bio that I'm a, a Chelsea football fan. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me about Eden Hazard. And, and so, of course, like being the baller I am, I closed a hat trick at Yelp yesterday. So I didn't have a lot of time you know, on the old, you know, vanishing mode thing. Right. So I miss like his last two messages. And when you don't have a message in the box, like you can't message back. And so he sends me another message like, hey, are you ignoring me now? And it's like, dude, stop using vanishing mode and we could have a conversation. Seriously. Anyway. Seriously. Uh, James Knight says, I must say, Monty, it's starting to show you've dropped a shirt size, man. Good for you. Well, I still go to the gym, unlike some people. So wait, let me get this right. I go let to me, the gym. I'm really glad you brought this up. Okay, so what's today? Thursday? So Tuesday, we're supposed to go to the gym, right? Did, did you go to Tuesday, the gym? Tuesday, we're supposed to go to the gym at night. Uh -huh. we, we don't end up going did, did you because go? of you. Did you go yesterday, to the gym? no, I didn't go. I'm behind did, it, Yelp, and I needed to close deals. Did you go to the gym yesterday? Nope. You're fat. Yep, um, I'm fat. <laughs> yep, I'm fat, and I'm proud of it. I'm a fat ass. I got you. Um, you know what the funny thing is is about this? Not to completely derail us, because I really fat. we need to get to this jazz trade rumor, but I'm such a creature of habit, and I have not, I have had a couple of nights of average sleep because I'm out of my routine, and I'm trying to go to bed earlier so I can sleep more, but it's waking me up. Like my alarm goes off at 4.30. It's waking me up. I was up this morning at 4.12. And it's the most annoying thing in the world. And I'm just completely out of schedule. And part of it is we have not been working out every day this week. I only missed Tuesday. But, you know, I worked out by myself yesterday. Oh, my God. Dude had a meltdown in the gym yesterday. He fell off this okay. bench. Like, Why is it that every time you go to the gym alone, there's somebody who's just, like, getting 
removed from the gym. Well, no, he didn't get removed. He just made a complete ass of himself. Um, you know that, like the the pull downs. Mm-hmm. You know how the bench is really short. Yeah, he fell off the end of the bench, <laughs> and then in in a fit of rage, dropped the weight stack. Wow. Yeah, and so a bunch of people got pissed. It was kind of funny. Anyway, the point is, I'm just out of my routine. But yes, I I, I, I appreciate you noticing that, James, because the effort is being put forth. The sleep thing is hard because, like, I feel like, like the time change thing, plus, and then trying to sleep longer is difficult because yeah, it, screwed, you're, it screwed me up. Yeah, because your body is like, well, uh, we should be awake already, and you're like, no, dude, we shouldn't be awake already. Uh, time change, get with the program here. Yeah, and now you can't sleep. Perfect. And then we're going to Hawaii, and we're going to be three hours off kilter again. So, oh, my, yeah, shit. my sleep, I need to start like taking quaaludes or something because my, <laughs> <Quaaludes>. my, <laughs> my sleep is going to be so screwed up. Uh, Bradlock says, morning, boys. The Warriors are absolutely terrifying. No, Clay Thompson is on his way back. We're uh, we're people sleeping on the Warriors much in the offseason. I know the Monty show wasn't. No, everybody was sleeping on the Warriors. And, I mean, you know, what they're getting like Wiggins last night, they're getting it from somewhere else every night now. The Draymond injury is is could be a game changer for the Dubs. If he's hurt, I mean, I'm telling you, he's the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. They need Draymond Green. Um, he has been an MVP candidate this year. I, it, without him, they're not the same team. So he's got a quad injury thing. We'll see what that looks like, but we'll see. Uh, Giggity says, BYU only beat Cleveland State by 10 the other day. Did they choose not to run up the score? Well, sportsmanship counts. Um, Neville 93 says, you guys think it's going to win the Utah jazz or the Pacers and the heat are coming. What do you guys think about that game? Well, here's a question. Here's the question. If you look at the Utah jazz right now, Mm -hmm. are they a championship contending team? Yes, they're a contender. I don't believe they are. I don't think they're one of the teams that you can say right now today. Like if I look at right now today, who is it in the East? I think it's the Nets. Certainly the Bulls with the best record in the East. Um, I think if they make a trade, like you can see that path. Like I look out West, I say to myself, absolutely the Warriors. I still think the Lakers, even though they're going to have to retool a little bit. But what they're getting out of out of their secondary players, like I just don't see the Jazz have depth right now to win a championship because – their starters are not good enough outside of Don and Mike Conley. Like any of those guys are interchangeable. Um, I think there's no doubt you've upgraded with Hassan Whiteside and Eric Paschal, uh, but you're not more physical. Um, defensively, you're not better. And ultimately that's what got you last year was not your offense. It was your defense and obviously the Conley injury and, but you're not a better team than you were last year. I mean, can we look at this Utah Jazz team right now and say that they are a better team today than they were a year ago? No. I mean, they're not a better team. I, I think that they have, you know, what, what I would be comfortable saying is they have more ways to win a game. You know, they can – they we're seeing them – I think the area that they're better in this year than last year is they can shoot. They have the ability to shoot poorly from three – and be in these games and have an opportunity to win. Whether they win them or not is a different conversation, but I feel like last year when they shot poorly, it wasn't really that close. It was much more drastic. So I feel like they've improved a little bit there, but like 
I don't know, man. It's tough with the Jazz because I want to say, yeah, man, they're a title contender. Like, they are someone who you would expect to get to the Western Conference Finals this year. And if you're in the Western Conference Finals, to me, you know, that's enough to be like, yeah, we're a title contender. We're one of the last, you know, couple of teams that are going to duel it out to get to the finals. But you're right. I mean, they're not significantly better this year than they were last year. We're still wondering, you know, how many games is Mike Conley going to play? Is he going to miss time in the postseason? You know, what... Where is this Rudy jump shot ever going to come out or is his game ever going to expand? Like, we're still asking the same questions. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's because you're largely the same team. Yeah. You know, so what's interesting to me is this trade rumor that came out the other day that linked the Utah Jazz to Kyrie Irving. And the first thing I did was laugh because I don't think there's any chance. But is Kyrie Irving what ails this team? And if you had to give up, and it depends on what the package is. Certainly, you would have to give up Boyan Bogdanovich and Jared Butler to get him and probably, you know, two draft picks. But I'm not making a Kyrie Irving trade right now. Like, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I don't see how that benefits the team. Like, on the surface level, everyone's going to be like, well, he's one of the best players in the league. He's, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's all this great stuff. He's won. We could really use him. Yeah, sure, you could use him. The problem is, is that he's not vaccinated. He's missing a ton of time, and yes, he'd be able to play more in Utah than he would be in New York. Yes, that's absolutely true, but still, he's not vaccinated, so he can't be a full-time guy on, on the roster cannot every single play night. play the Lakers, cannot play the Warriors. Yeah, can't play the best teams in the league. And so you're like, all right, well, we just gave up these assets to get him. What's the point? I mean, it's almost it's almost the same you know, logic as re-signing Mike Conley. Yeah. Hey, if, if Mike's going to be hurt, what's the point of re-signing him? So – no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I do think it's kind of laughable, and I do think it's unrealistic, especially when you take into consideration their money situation. Well, and the the bigger question for the Jazz right now to me is depth, and I, I think you have more ability off the bench. I mean, obviously, Hassan Whiteside and Eric Paschal are great, but, I mean, are, are you counting consistently night in and night out that those guys give you 10 points? I mean, their value to you is defensive and rebounding. Mm-hmm. But you, you're in the same boat that you were in last year. You, you're counting on a very hot or very cold Jordan Clarkson to be your offense. And one of the other things that you, you have to ask yourself right now is, what are you going to get from Rudy Gay? What are you expecting from Rudy Gay? And how does his role lessen the role of an Eric Pascal? Right? Can you know, or how do you fit Pascal Whiteside and Rudy Gay on the floor together? That's a question. Can you play Rudy Gay and Rudy Gobert together? I would think you can. But it's not as though Rudy Gay's a lockdown defender. And it's not as though, you know, he's like, you don't know what you're going to get from him or how long it's going to take him to fit into your flow. Because he's playing three on three now, which is great. Mm -hmm. So you would think within, by the end of the year, certainly he's, by the end of this season, um, and when I say year, I don't mean this season. I mean like the calendar year. By the end of December you would think he'd be back with your club playing. But what is where does he fit and wh and what do you get? Because the question again is, are you deeper? Well, yeah, I mean, but your depth really last year was Derek Favors and Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> right? So, not much. so, yeah, so are you better in the Derek Favors role? Well, hell yeah, you are. I mean, Hassan Whiteside alone makes you better. Then you add Eric Pascal, who gives you a nice three-point shot, the ability to throw that big booty around, like, I mean, you're better off off the bench physically. 
but are you actually in a basketball scoring winning game sense? Are you deeper? And the answer is you're not yet. Now, what does Rudy Gay bring? I don't know. But right now, I think you're probably two players away. You are you are a, a significant upgrade at the wing for your starting five away. And I think you need a consistent, no doubt about it, scorer off of your bench. And Jor- because Jordan Clarkson, remember last year, the last half of the year, Jordan Clarkson wasn't in the game the last five minutes. He was not a guy that Quinn Snyder counted on. And I think he, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to pull out of that, this three-point slump that he is in. Mm-hmm. He's going to pull out of that. Yeah, I think that But Jordan, until he does. Yeah, I, I think it's tough. Like, I think that the Jazz are in a situation where, yeah, you can always use more scoring off the bench. You can always use more assets off the bench. Absolutely, positively, 100%. But I think one thing you said there I think is really interesting and, and is playing out in front of us. Quinn Snyder likes to play a couple of guys. And Quinn doesn't trust most of the guys on this team based on the way he plays them. I'm just going off of what I see on a nightly basis. I'm not saying that there's a personal beef. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, hey, here are the dudes he plays, and here are the dudes that sit on the bench most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just think that that when I look around the league and the development that's happening with like a Maxi in Philly or you know uh, uh, you know a Gary Payton the second in 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 Dub Nation. Like, there are teams that are developing their Jared Butlers. Jared Butler is not developing on this team right now. And and I don't understand that because I just think we're in November. Come February, come March, when this team sustains injury and they need their depth to play, he's not going to be prepared. And so, with that being the case, you better do something significant at the trade deadline. So, if you think about it, if we project forward – Let's say that they're not able to get a deal done at the trade deadline and they just run this roster the rest of the year. Yeah, they're probably not going to win a championship. They're probably not going to win a championship. And the real ball buster about that is that next year you're so financially strapped, you're going to have to make some tough decisions on some mainstays on this team. And that's the problem. And that's why I fear for guys like Jared Butler and really the core of this team because you're going to have to make moves and they're probably not going to be very good next year. And and this is the hard part about like the Lakers. Like watching Avery Bradley or, you know, the thousand guys that they signed. Malik Monk. Malik Monk has given them because Kendrick Nunn's been hurt. Malik Monk has given them an incredible contribution. Um, you know, he essentially keeps them in the game last night um <clears throat> to get them to overtime against Miami. Um he gives them 27 points. On four of seven from three, like they get 12 out of Wayne Ellington. Um, They get 12 out of Carmelo Anthony on an awful shooting night. You're getting, you know, Davis and Westbrook and Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley gave them five of eight from three, 17 points. I mean, that's a quality contribution. Yeah, and this is without LeBron James. And by the way, Avery Bradley is an elite defensive player. (laughs) Like, he can play defense. Yeah, and let's not forget, you got nothing out of Kent Bazemore. Um, who is at, at this point is just a defensive player. But, I mean, you're missing so many guys. So you can see the upside of that team. Like, I, I mean, I, I think if you look at the, look at the Phoenix-Portland game, because mm-hmm. this is a game that I think is a really good example. You look at Portland, Portland's not a championship contender. No. And I just can't believe that you're going to have Damian Lillard on that team come March 1st. Like, I just can't believe that. 
But I look at the Suns, who frankly have been a pretty average team. Well, all of a sudden, they're seven and three. And you look at, at, at Jay Crowder, they get you put a guy on the floor in a Phoenix Suns uniform, he's going to contribute. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Crowder gave him 12, Bridges gives him 10, JaVale McGee gives him 14 and eight. With DeAndre Ayton being out with this leg bruise or whatever the hell is wrong with him. Um, 21 out of Chris Paul, only 12 from Devin Booker, but 31 from Frank Kaminsky in a career night. And they beat the Portland Trailblazers by 10. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm telling you, the West is way better. Way, way better than they were. I don't even know right now that I would say the Phoenix Suns are a contender for a championship. No, I think it's I think it's really early on. I, I I think that the I think the Lakers are a massive question mark. I think you don't know, you know, we Huge. don't we don't we don't know when LeBron's gonna be back. We don't know when LeBron's actually gonna be able to play consistent minutes at hundred percent health. We don't know uh what this team's gonna look like in the postseason, but you gotta figure they're gonna be in the postseason. You just have to make that assumption. So they're gonna be in, the dubs are gonna be in. I would assume uh, not assume, we know the Jazz are gonna be in. And so it's just going to be a matter of the matchup. And and this is what is so – the more I think about this Jazz team, the more I think, like, you're in a really tough position as an organization. Yes. You are really, really, really good in the regular season. You are a dominant regular season team. But when you match up for seven games against an elite basketball team, they're going to find your weaknesses. And your weaknesses in that kind of scenario are deeper and bigger – than other teams' weaknesses. And that's what's tough. It's not that this team sucks. It's not that we hate the Jazz. But when we talk about winning a championship, because that's the goal that Donovan Mitchell stated, hey, well, I'm here to win championships, you have to do more. you got to change this roster. You've got to, as much as I love Jingles, you got to move on from Jingles. Like, you have to. And it's the same narrative we talked about last year. They struggle against the best teams they face. So I think a trade is absolutely apropos. I think you need to make a deal. Because you're seven and three or whatever it is, eight and three. I think it's eight and three. Yeah. Against a pretty soft schedule. And two of your three, the Orlando loss, eh, throw that out, right? But the loss to Miami and the loss to the Chicago Bulls were not flukes. Mm -hmm. It was not accidental. And that worries you because coming up here, you've got some more difficult matchups, right? I mean, you're home for this long stretch. Indiana... I don't know what to make of Indiana at this point. I mean, obviously, that's a team that defends the hell out of the ball. Um, I mean, they lost to the Nuggets 101-98 to the other night. I mean, they're losing. They're giving up 101 Not points. Not a championship team, but they're No, but they're, they're tough to deal with. They're tough to deal with. They're tough to deal with. Yeah. Because every game they play is a fight. And, you know, when you look at, you look at you know, who's doing what and how they're you know, how they play. Um, I mean, pretty clearly, that's going to be a tough team for the Jazz to deal with. I would think that you would win this game by 10 points because it's at home. I, I would hope. But isn't that but, the conundrum with the Jazz? Hey, this is going to be a tough team, but you're still going to beat them by 10. Sabonis, Miles Turner, um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's playing very good basketball right now. Uh, I, I, you know, they don't have a great bench in my opinion, TJ McConnell and Tory Craig give them decent contributions, but they're, they're a grinder gritty team, you know, and it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. Honestly, I think stylistically, this is one of the more intriguing games, uh, the first month of the season. 
Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. How do you not love it? Now, I can only say so many times that my guy, <laughs> and he is my guy. Shout to Mo Bamba. No. <laughs> no, not Mo Bamba. My guy, Alex Caruso, is making a huge difference for them. Thanks. The play that he made, and I'm sure everybody's seen the highlight of the 360 dunk that Levine had at the end of the game, where Alonso makes a baseball pass, you know, that was just, I mean, right over the head, of, I think it was Powell. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Caruso makes that play possible. Um, just playing fantastic basketball in Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to say the Bulls are back. I will say the Chicago Bulls are fun to watch. And hearing the story of Alex Caruso, now I don't know how many people saw the story. Did you see this about his contract? He got a contract offer from the Chicago Bulls. He wanted to be a Laker. He wanted to stay with the Lakers. And he said to the Lakers, hey, I'll take less. I don't need you to match it full. The Lakers lowballed him, like way lowballed him. So he wound up in Chicago. And he's playing the best basketball of his career. And it's I the, it's not coincidental that they're the best team in the East right now. And he's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Now, DeMar DeRozan has a lot more to do with that. You look at the way that Lonzo Ball is developing. The guy, I think, is shooting 45% from three. I mean, he's making almost half of his three-pointers. Like, the Chicago Bulls are a handful. Yeah, and I think the the thing that, that really separates them is, is – Every one of those guys, so like Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar, Zach Levine, they yeah. all know their role. They all know what their responsibility is. So like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan understand that, you know, they're going to be the ones that power the offense. It's just that simple. Lonzo Ball knows, hey, I got one. I got like two jobs in life. I got to play really good man-up defense, and I got to facilitate. And if I get the opportunity to shoot a three, I need to make that. And that's what he's doing. It's a simple existence. But have you noticed the guys that played in the Olympics – Mm -hmm. are struggling with the three ball. Like I look at, look at my guy book, like struggling with the three ball. Well, like if you, it was on Twitter yesterday. The, yeah. The ball thing is real. If you look at Levine Booker, Chris Middleton, who's hurt out of the lineup right now, like a lot of the guys that played in the finals and then went on to play in the Olympic tournament are struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean to be redundant. Cause I know we talk about this all the time. But I think that attrition is you're just not going to overcome that. You're just not. And I think that it it is – it'll be something to watch. I I guess I buy into this this Wilson basketball thing. They, they So if you don't know the story, the NBA went away from Spalding. Spalding used to be the official ball like now and forever. And, well, they changed to Wilson this year. And the leather compound is different. Um, it feels different. It's, I guess it's a lot slicker. And the channels in the basketball don't hit your fingers the same way. And if you've ever played basketball, you know that the way the ball feels in your hand is critically important. Because what you're seeing is a lot of guys bobbling passes, not catching the ball cleanly. A lot of catch-and-shoot three guys are missing those because the basketball is just different. It's harder for them to handle. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, what was, you know, I don't remember what that graphic said yesterday, but book, essentially basically, Book said. Book was, is, is just struggled a little bit. I mean, he, he hasn't been, it hasn't been horrific or anything, but there's been a clear spike in his performance back to where he typically is yeah. now a couple weeks into the season. And, 
and he was just saying that, you know, he's had to get used to this new ball and, and that it, it, and I know it sounds petty. I know it, it almost is like, how ridiculous is this? Did these guys not play with a different ball every time they were playing pickup as a kid? Right. But when you're a professional and, and, and this is what I think people don't understand. These guys play in the same dimensions every night with yes. the same ball. The three-point line is the same distance. The hoop is the same no, no. size. They like, use the same basketball every day, 365. Uh, the basketball in the NBA is a very – it is totally different than college. It is a very unique ball. And guys in the NBA, like, they use it every time they play basketball. And, you know, like, sometimes you'll go to the gym and you'll play with a jet ball or a Nike ball or, a, you know, whatever – NBA guys don't do that. They use the same basketball all the time. Even when they're practicing in the summer and all that. Yes. And so now the ball is different and guys haven't had time to adjust to it. And if you think about it, it's just interesting to look at. I think there's a lot of factors at play. I think January is going to, this is going to be a much different league in January. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot more guys are going to, are going to, are going to rest. And I think they're load managing Chris Paul and Tevin Booker in Phoenix. Um, I think there's certainly, there's a certainly a lot of people wondering, like Zach Levine can't hit water from the ocean for long stretches in games. Like it's almost frustrating. I should just, I'm almost at a point where I'm at with Notre Dame and the Chicago Bears where I, I am irrational watching the Bulls games. <laughs> like I just want to go smack the stupid off of Zach Levine's face sometimes. I'll when, drop that yeah, when he, when he hocks up like a triple covered three-point shot, it's like, bro, what are you doing? You know, it's just, it's so frustrating. I try to stay calm and not curse. Anyway, Daryl says international players are used to change. FIBA uses molten. Yes, that's exactly right. That's a great point. He also says Caruso dresses like an 80s aerobics instructor. <clears throat> Don't you talk about my boy like Sorry, that. Folks, that's what it is. I mean, you're not wrong. But my point nice is. Nice headband, you, you bud. Know, <laughs> he is actually a, a fashionista. I don't know how many people know that Alex Caruso has like a clothing company and he does t-shirts and I just hate that he's an Adidas guy. Yeah. Put some Kobe's on, bro. Come on. You know what I'm saying, man? And did like you saw the Don thing yesterday, right? Yeah. The like, Don thing was 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 funny. Like I just I'm not an Adidas guy, man. Like I I think that you know, I understand Don's got obviously a Adidas guy signed shoe deal, the whole deal. And he's got all his shoes lined up, you know, in in yeah exactly see like you know this shoe is something to look at right the bordeaux i mean is this not like a beautiful shoe right here you and know. then the shoe on the wall right the you aj3 know. pine like you know these are all shoes that that actually have some charisma about them donnie's you shoe know. i see kids wearing donnie's shoe all the time donnie's yeah shoe. donnie's shoe yeah dm45 you know donnie guy who can't wear glasses in the game that guy yeah Kids wear kids wear his shoes all the, the time. That's the guy who took twenty seven years to finally put contacts in. Okay, but they're in and Don's are not. So whatever, <laughs> hate on me. It took you twenty seven years to figure out the contacts are where it's at when you're snowboarding, so you don't have to wear glasses under goggles. Why are you being an asshole? Twenty because it's who I am. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Anyway. Anyway, lose those ugly green things behind Jake. Are, are you kidding? He's talking. Are you wait? No, come on, man. Now you got put. Now you got to put that up here, man. Let me move the board up. Are you kidding me? That shoe's amazing. That's not what we're about. Why are you guys hating on it? What are you talking about, Daryl? What's Daryl? C saying? says the Bears. LOL. He's the one who said get rid of the green things. Oh. 
Um, let's see. Brylark says Monty jumped off the Booker train and is slurping Caruso now. I'm a player's guy. <laughs> For, first of all, you shut your mouth, Jake. That's awesome, dude. Second of all, I want you to know I'm Christmas shopping right now, so I would shut up. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm kidding. Remember when your mom used to say that? Well, I'm Christmas shopping right now, so you just keep going. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See how few presents are under the tree. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the point is, um, I'm a player's guy. De Book is my favorite player by far. Yeah. Like it's not close. Um, but I'm a I, I've I've become less and less a fan of teams because frankly, it's because the Bulls are such a putrid, crappy organization. Thanks, Jerry. And, and I wish Jerry Reinsdorf would trip and fall onto the third rail of an L track. You just gave a gift to the Russians. You know. But I'm a Bulls fan, you know. Yeah. Um, when they're good. No, I'm always a Bulls fan. Yeah, you've been a Bulls fan for a long time. And it's frustrating they've been bad for a long time. Yeah. Slurped half off in slurped half off in Chicago now. <laughs> I have not slurped <laughs> half of Chicago off. I have. Oh, he says Slurpees half off in Chicago now. Oh. Thank you for clarifying. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, I think I saw the desk rise when Monty was slurping the bulls. Absolutely, it did. Caruso deserves a bag alert drop. Oh, Jeremy Bolton now singing the praises of Alex Caruso, who you said sucked and, you know. We've said it for the last two years that Lonzo would be great, a great get for any team. He gets better and better every year. He really does. He re I, and I think the Lakers regret that trade. I, I mean, they won a championship. I get it. But you cannot have too much guard play around LeBron and AD. Mm -hmm. you, you, I would have redone that trade. Um, James Knight says the NBL you, has been using Wilson for years. Yeah, I would agree. It's not that Spalding's better than Wilson. It's just the simple fact that they changed the ball. So dudes have to get used to it. That's yeah, all it is. I would agree with that. Um, speaking of slurping. Yeah. Let's talk about Dan Orlovsky. Uh-huh. So I like Dan Orlowski a lot. I think he's a good dude. I think a lot of people do. Energetic. Yeah. He's got some crazy ass ideas. <laughs> so my guy Orlovsky writes a blog. Okay. And <laughs> just stop right there. <laughs> I guess blogs are still things. Okay. I'm unaware of what those things are. Right. Yeah. But Dano writes a, a blog for allprodad.com, which could be his website. I have no idea. And in his blog, he wrote about addiction, four ways to avoid temptation. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you don't want to smoke ice, boom, pow, crack. It, and, you know, like drugs are crack, bad, right? Ice, boom, pow. Like it's bad. Yeah. Only he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about day. Um. <laughs> How do you handle temptation while being away from your family? Somebody recently asked. This is an important question. It's a question we dads need to get right. I've tried to live by the idea that it's easier to avoid temptation than to resist it. I want it. <laughs> okay. So essentially what Mr. Orlovsky is talking about here is being a dad and a husband and having to deal with the urge to cheat on your spouse. Now, I've been married for a week or 700. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been married for 20 years. Right. I don't think I've ever had the urge to cheat on my wife. Right. I mean, I guess temptation is a daily part of life. 
we talked about the girl at the gym the other day. Like, mm-hmm. is that temptation though? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the I I don't I don't really feel like that's temptation. No, I feel like that is that's just an observation. That's just enjoying the visuals of life. That doesn't mean that you were like looking at someone doesn't mean that you were tempted to go and yeah, you know, like like. Interact. Just because you watched a girl in hot pants squat at the gym doesn't mean you were like, oh, hey, I need to go spend some private time alone. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not like that. It just is, you know. To me, it, that's not temptation. Yeah. I, I can I can say I've never been close to cheating on my wife. Now, it, I, because I think it's a decision. Are we, really, are we really in a place as guys where, you know, we have to look at ourselves. Like, he also writes, I found that I, if I know my biggest struggles – I'm more likely to avoid them. Okay, I would agree with that. So he says you're better equipped to avoid it. If you know what your struggle is, you're better equipped to avoid it. I don't personally struggle with pornography, but I know a lot of guys who do. Mm -hmm. If you're one of them, be honest with yourself about your wandering eyes so you can fight the battle. So immediately, now, again, I've told you I think pornography is the great destroyer of men. And we have countless examples of this. Yeah. It's not a secret. But I'm not the guy also who says that you're a terrible person if you watch pornography. I just, I mean, it's, I think it's an individual thing. Mm. But I also don't think it makes you a terrible person if you watch pornography. Like I, I, I and that's, that's what things like this are very interesting. I think this conversation is difficult because I, I think that, you know, it really depends on who you're talking to about it. I think that like, like. You know, pornography is like a, a subset of this conversation. Yeah, that is a but that is a good example of something that like one person could be like, like you say, hey, I don't think that that makes you a bad person. But then you have this person over here is like, hey, you're going to hell. You are going to burn alive. Like it just but there's in so our, much in judgment. our community where religion is so prominent. Yeah, I think there are taboos. Mm hmm. That almost drive people to look at pornography or drink or. Like, there's so many rules and so much legalism in religion. Right. Right? And and that's absolutely part of this. And, and, and that maybe that is what strengthens... I mean, that's basically what you're saying. It strengthens the temptation. Having yes. to... It gives ab- the temptation more, more leverage. Because you have to follow, you know, air quotes, follow these rules. And then there's the whole guilt cycle and whatever. But right. he also right. says, um, the less time I, I have alone, the better. And that's true for all of us. Is it really? See, this is fascinating to me. This portion of this article is really fascinating because I think a lot of people that I talk to my age hate being alone. It's like they they will do anything that they can do not to be alone. And I love solitude. I love the the quiet time, the you know, the, the like I'd feel like you ever just are are you ever find yourself just sitting somewhere and it's like ultra quiet and your ears are ringing? Yes. Like I feel like we live in such a loud constantly turned on environment that it's like when you get to take the quiet time you should take it one of my favorite parts of the day is when i first wake up because i'll i usually sit up in bed and i'm a big believer in practicing gratitude and i'll you know i'll just say hey thanks for waking me up i feel good this is great to be alive today's gonna be a great day but i sit on the edge of my bed and i just i just listen to the quiet and it's one of my favorite parts the room is pitch black and it's just one of the most quietest times of my day because I get very little reprieve in my day. 
I'm usually overly stimulated with, hey, I'm on the phone, I'm talking to people at work, answering, you know, pings and answering messages and emails. And, and the contractor's putting the door in and, and the dogs are barking. And the dogs are barking or the dog wants lunch and the dog wants breakfast and there's a package. That, like, you just have chaos. Yeah. At 4.30 in the morning, if there's no chaos, the street is quiet. And I think what Dan is saying in the article, you know, what he's getting at is that being alone allows temptation to, you know, to thrive. And I just disagree with that. The uh, Nye guy says blog D's nuts. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, yeah, that's, next question. Yeah, that's one alternative. <laughs> um, but Orlovsky says the key might be spending your time around more people who build you up. The find a group that has similar interests and spend time with them. You'll keep busy and be in a community double win. Okay. I think that's solid advice on the regular. I think you want to be surrounded by people who are doing and achieving the things that you want to be doing and achieving. There's no question about that. But I think solitary and confined moments where you're alone and in control of your environment and you can just, I mean, like how, ask yourself this question and I'm, and I'm serious. Everybody watching the show, ask yourself this question. How often do you get to just sit in a room alone, quietly, and just be at one with your thoughts? No phones, no computers. No kids. No kids, dogs, wives, girlfriends. Husbands. How often does that happen? Because I think one of the things that is fascinating to me about this blog and really just in general is we're so hungry to be surrounded that we forget how important it is to be alone. Yeah. That's when you learn about yourself because when you're alone, your mind tends to speak truth and your true feelings come out because there's nothing to distract you and suppress them. So, you know, like <laughs> I can tell you standing, standing at my closet this morning in the dark, with a, you know, and I get dressed in front of my closet. My wife is sleeping. And so I get dressed in front of my closet using the flashlight on my phone. And, you know, it's just like, what it was, what was I thinking about in that moment? I was thinking about the fact that I have this work to do and I've got to be on the phone at this time. And I have this and I have that. And I caught myself and I said, just give yourself a minute here. You know, and I took some time to pick out what I was going to wear, which, by the way, it, it's not a lot of thought. It goes into the black T-shirt every day. I literally have like 30 black T-shirts in my closet. Um, but like I just took some time. And then my routine is I get dressed. I go into my shoe room. I pick out whatever shoe I'm going to wear. And I just go sit at the bottom of my staircase on the last stair. And I put my socks and my shoes on. And it's the last moment of quiet that I'm going to get for the entire day. Well, because then I come over and wreck everything. Well, know? and then we start doing the podcast. And when the podcast's over, we got to go to the Yelpatory. When mm -hmm. the Yelpatory's over, we generally have to go on a walk or we have to do whatever. And then it's time to go to bed. And then we wake up and do it all over again. So I literally get about five to ten minutes in the morning alone in the quiet by myself. Yeah. And I cherish it. So... I actually don't think it's bad to be alone. I don't want weeks of solitary. I don't want hours of solitary. It would be nice. And M M Mrs. Monty and I have talked about this. We don't have the room in our, our house to do it right now. But I would love a room 
that just has a comfortable chair, an ottoman, and a table. That's it. That's the only thing in the room. And I would love some blackout curtains in there. And I would love to be able to go sit in that chair for 10 minutes and be alone. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to have that in my house. Yeah. It's funny. Anyway. It's funny. It's funny how, um, you know, desires change as you um, as you age. Like the things that you want are different. Like like 25-year-old. Yeah person would never even like that i feel like that would never even be a thought for a 25 year old a room like that kind of room to take advantage of that time oh greg hawkins is completely correct too many of us these days misinterpret solitude as loneliness man man that is so true that's powerful bro so true um you know and the night guy nailed it <laughs> uh looking at the menu is fine you just don't order facts Jeremy Bolton says, you can admit beauty, Monty, the same as any man or woman. I don't think it's temptation. I, I agree. Um, Greg Hawkins says, I feel like the author of this article is just projecting his own problems onto society. Probably. I don't, I, I, I can honestly say I have tempted. I don't think I've ever been, even ever been tempted to cheat on my wife. I think I have, and this is part of like your thought process and gratitude. When you consistently practice gratitude, when you when you're like, oh man, what what like what thought goes through your mind? I want to pound that chick, or like, hey, let's, ooh, wow, hey, me, you, hotel room, like, I couldn't even tell you what the functionality of that looks like, because I'm not willing to risk the 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 awesomeness that my life contains. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. I think that a lot of people. You know, well, I'll just talk about men because that's what I know, right? Like, I think a lot of dudes are like, yeah, man, I need to go and get after that, not thinking about what they already have. And that's the thing. That's the problem. We want the, we live in an instant gratification, now or never world. And that's just, relationships are not like that. <sighs> Brylark says, if Monty ever gets in the same room as Alex Caruso, I'm sure he'd reconsider. <laughs> well, duh. Y'all about to fuck um, this up. I don't know. I just think that we're so easily, if you are this, if you are this tempted to, to cheat on your wife, I think there's a problem in your relationship. Yeah. I, that's what, that's what comes across to me. Like I, I the, the thing I've always struggled with, with athletes on the road is baseball players are different because you're on the road for weeks at a time, but a football player is on the road for like two days. You know, like you, you fly out on, you know, most guys and it depends. Some teams, depending on the trip, will fly out and spend a week on the East Coast. You can't spend a week away from your wife without, you know, how many guys at the Super Bowl have gotten caught with hookers or how many guys like you can't spend a week without buying a hooker. You can't tiger, please. You can't spend <laughs> a week on the road without cheating on your wife. Like that's a that there's a bigger issue at play there. Yeah. Right. Like, I just think these are all problems that mask something else mm -hmm. is what I will say. And, you know, in our state where we deal with addiction and suicide and, you know, stupid governors who refuse to do what the people who elected him to do want him to do. Um, you know, we have bigger issues, supposedly, I guess, than who watches porn and who doesn't. But if you think pornography is not a significant issue, if you're watching porn every day. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the straight facts. 
If you are not watching porn, if you are watching porn every day, there's a bigger issue for you. Yeah. There's something going on because it's filling a, a gap of some kind. It, it, it just is. Yep. I think, I don't know. Does watching porn make you more likely to cheat on your wife? I'm sure you could find a study that says it does, but I just think mm. it's a case by case thing, man. It is a case by case thing. I think that, you know, there, there are, <laughs> there are humans Humans are fascinating creatures, man. The the way the brain works, the way the brain can become dependent on certain things and want yeah. other things, and it just is it – is, it is a deep, deep science that I think is misunderstood and hard to control, and I think that's the value of routine and, and putting yourself in a good position. But, again, I just go back to the whole being alone thing. I don't think just because you're alone that means that, you know, you know temptation is everywhere around you and you're just going to – succumb to all these bad things dude i'm alone for like eight hours a day working and nothing happens <laughs> i do the same thing every day so i just don't think that it's like that and and i kind of agree with what the commenters are saying it does kind of does it not make you wonder about dan himself does it not make you wonder like hey is this something that you know has dan been tempted it kind of makes you wonder i love dan i love the work he does him and him and ryan smith are in my opinion, if you're a football fan, are must-watched TV. If you're watching TV in Ryan the morning, Clark. or Ryan Clark, I said Ryan Smith, Ryan mm -hmm. Clark. Those two together breaking down football is, you know, it's amazing. Like I love the guy. All right, real quick before we go. Yeah. What did you make of the Kyle Rittenhouse testimony yesterday? I think he was acting. I think he is a fraud. I think he was coached on how to take the stand, and I think that it is classic America politics acting to get out of what you did, which was kill people. Rittenhouse said he knew uh, the man who threw the bag at him, Joseph Rosenbaum, was unarmed at the time of the shooting. He admitted he did not know what Rosenbaum was thinking when he chased him, but also stated confidently what he thought would have happened. So the guy that he shot and killed threw a bag at Rittenhouse, and Rittenhouse admitted on the stand yesterday that he knew he was not armed. He shot him anyway. And by the way, <laughs> the judge in this case... I don't even know what you say about this. Um, I don't know how many people heard about it. So this judge is a little kooky. Um, he would not allow prosecutors in this case to call them the people who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse victims. He said that that was forbidden. Um, and the thing that really pissed people off yesterday was during the trial the judge is sitting on the bench and his phone rang and it played um trump's god bless america anthem he has a ringtone on his phone okay well i who has ringtones anymore but and it's lee greenwood's god bless the usa which in this trial of a guy in kyle rittenhouse who is who has espoused the greatness of Donald Trump is a little more than a coincidence. So I have no doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse is not going to serve a day in jail. I, I mean, I just have, I have no, I have no question about that. Um, I think it is fascinating to me that this kid is now forever going to be a meme, mm -hmm. no matter what happens. Um, and I, I think that when you have a guy in Kyle Rittenhouse who stands up 
on a witness stand, sobbing and yelling and unable to control himself. After admitting that he knew the guy he shot and killed was unarmed. It's a little difficult to take as genuine. I don't know. Yeah. Am I misreading this? No, I, I, mean, I, I don't think you're misreading it. And there's a video going around. You may, you may have seen it of the prosecutor essentially forcing Kyle to admit that he knew he was using deadly force. And, and I just think that, that we're in a position here where I can't believe I'm saying this, right? I, I feel like it's so outlandish to say this, but I feel like it's true. The way the Donald Trump era presidency was handled in terms of elections and things like that did not just have ramifications in politics. It is having ramifications in court trials and, and all these different situations. And I just am, I'm, I'm watching this video and the prosecutor's like, hey, so you knew you were using deadly force when you shot at these people, right? When you dropped these people, you knew that you were using deadly force. And he was like, no. And then yes. And then like, you're just people. I feel like the Donald Trump era presidency and the way, again, I'm not trying to say that I hate Donald Trump or anything, but just the fact is the way he went about the press and, and just dancing around COVID and saying it's fake and just straight up ignoring the truth is now other people are taking that route. And it's, and it's crazy to me. Like, yeah. You had an assault rifle and you were shooting at people that you admittedly knew were unarmed. That's deadly force, dude. <laughs> like, what are you running from here? And yeah, I agree with you. This kid is not going to serve any time. No. I would be shocked. Well, and now they're asking for a mistrial because the prosecutor played a tape um, where Rittenhouse talked about two weeks before the Kenosha shooting. He had talked about shooting shoplifters. Like, he just didn't have respect for what the end outcome of pulling the trigger would be. Yeah. That much, I think, is very clear. It's not even in dispute. Mm -hmm. He just did not have respect for the fact that, you know, like, hey, these guys are going to die. You know, like, which is amazing to me. That kind of person has an assault rifle. You know, it, it just is one of these things where we need a real look at how people are able to procure guns in this country. And he got these guns legally through his family. Like, I mean, it, 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 it's remarkable to me that we're in a time in this country where we knowingly look at the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. I mean, the, 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 do you guys remember that he was jogging mm -hmm. and three guys in a truck essentially chased him down and shot him. And they claimed he had been breaking into construction sites. There's no evidence that he ever did that. And the pure violence that went into killing this guy. And then this Rittenhouse thing where you have a then I think he was 17 at the time of the shooting. A 17 year old white teenager that shot people on the street and then walked right by the cops with an AR-15 in plain view when the cops were responding to a shooting call and they never even looked at him. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in a crazy time in this world and like, that's why the redistricting shit here in Utah is such mm. a big fight because you have a governor in Spencer Cox who will not get my vote a second time. I mean, 
we have no ability to change the laws or the people who represent us anymore. We make it more difficult for the average American to vote. And we take away people's rights because, you know, there's a certain sect in our population that wants to remain in control. And when they're not in control, they're going to do everything they can to regain control and keep control. And that's just not how America was built. And I, I don't, I don't know how we got here. And this Rittenhouse trial is so interesting because we have a judge that is so clearly biased on the wrong side of it. And what I, I feel like is that we just can't trust in systems anymore. We can't trust that the judicial system is fair. And if you're black in this country, it hasn't been fair for generations. But I just don't feel like you can trust the people that are sitting on benches. I don't feel like we can trust prosecutors and defense attorneys. I certainly don't feel like right now that, that we have any idea what we're fighting for. And here we are on Veterans Day. And I don't think we have any idea where our military is going next or what the purpose of their missions will be. Mm -hmm. And I, my... my my feeling is, is that there's never been so much uncertainty in our country. It's really, it's scary to me. You know, like we, we just, we just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring in this country. And that's never been the case. It, it has rarely been the case. Yeah. Dale Donut says, uh, BYU has always been the top LDS athlete sprinkled in with a few non-members. I would agree with that. Greg Hawkins says, what lessons do you guys think we should take away from this whole Rittenhouse thing? I think we need to have a lot more respect for what comes out of the end of a, of a, a gun barrel. And we don't. And I think I've always been an, a, a proponent, a supporter of gun reform. I think we should all have the right to own weapons legally. I just don't think that everybody should have that right. And I think when you're 17 years old, you should not be carrying an AR-15 because you just don't have respect for what that weapon can do. And he's shown that repeatedly. I mean, he, he it, and I think his parents should be held responsible. You know, like, and I don't know that they will be, but when you provide your child that gun and he goes and does that, man. Yep. You know, it, it just is... Yeah, I think it's accountability scary. is lacking. It, it it definitely is lacking in in the gun world. It is, and uh, you know, yeah. so lessons to take away. Everyone's going to say, "Oh, well, we need gun reform." I don't know that I think we need gun reform. I think we just need to figure out a way where a seventeen year old doesn't have an assault rifle. You know, I think we need to figure out a way to not have these crazy situations playing out on the street. Like that's just yeah. what it is. I mean, you're always going to have you know the 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 person who illegally owns a handgun or you know i mean that's always i just don't see a world in the united states of america where that's not the case i just think that that's if we're being realistic that's always going to play out but there has to be there's a line with everything in this country so you know there's a line with uh politics there's a line with guns there's a line with gas prices like there's a certain threshold that americans are willing to go to and we just haven't met that threshold with guns yet not enough people have died apparently and that's the troubling part. You know, you look around the world and 
you know, you don't hear about people dying from guns. You hear about people dying from stabbings or these yeah. other random events. And and that's what's tough. So, yeah, I, I think the gun thing, I think, you know, um, I, I agree with you. The court situation is not great. It's not it does not instill trust in Americans that you've got a judge sitting up there who is a Donald Trump voter um, and is presiding over this case. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Brandon Whiteside. That's so funny. Did you see the judge not understanding how Zoom pinch worked? Talking about like pixelations and like, dude, what are you doing? This judge is so out of touch. Boyd Lake says, hmm, I came here to hear about BYU recruiting. Well, we spent 45 minutes on that. Yeah. So we always end the show with life. Always. The Nye guy says, Monty for Prez. Yeah, that's a job I don't want. Um, Daryl says, Rittenhouse will be acquitted and should be based on what happened that night. Well, he shot a guy who threw a plastic bag at him. And Rittenhouse says he knew he was unarmed. Was that the standard for guilty, not guilty? You know. Yeah. Uh, Brylark, I agree. He'll go free. No question about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Whiteside says, I think carrying AK guy and the school shooter guy seem to have the same mentality. One is begging to be provoked. The other has lost control. Yeah. Guns scare me, man. Like, I don't, like, I don't comfortably sit in movie theaters anymore. But, you know, look at the grocery store shootings in this country or yeah yeah you never I, know when you're going to need one that's the how problem are we the only you know modern society in this world that has this kind of gun violence because we're america and everyone's got to be free and it's amazing you know, yeah. i love our country i love our our neighbors and i think everybody should if you are you know if you are com competent and legal you you know within the laws you should own guns i own guns I don't know how in this day and age you don't own a handgun. I don't believe that that we need assault rifles. I don't think we need sniper rifles. It, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't judge you for having them. I just don't know that we need them. So. Okay. There you go. Good. Good. One more show tomorrow. Um, man, the week has flown by. Yeah, it really has. This I can't week believe crazy, that dude. two weeks from now we will be, we will be in in Hawaii drinking on the beach. I cannot wait. I I I I can't remember the last time I said I I've needed a vacation, and we just took two weeks off last or two days off last week. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Now it took me some time to get back into the groove, and I'm still not like mentally back in the groove. But yeah, it's hard. What it is. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you being here. Please give us a thumbs up. Uh, give us a sub subscribe if you're not. And giving away this Xbox Series S when we get to 3,000 subs. We've had a great couple of days. We appreciate that. The Nye guy says, take Joe Ingles with you. No, no, no. It's not nice. It's not nice. But uh, until tomorrow, I don't know. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. <laughs> goodbye, Jake.